So I want to apologize to everyone that was expecting to either watch or listen Dylan Vibes' interview. Um, I take full responsibility for that because I, my head was not turned on properly or for some unknown reason that I could probably try must-up reason, but really won't be the proper explanation that I, I took the folder that had Dylan's uh, interview in it and I put it to the trash and I emptied it to make room for his interview that I was about to work on. And as soon as that crinkling sound finished, I... My, my heart stopped. My Everything just froze, my nerves, because I knew that I just lost the interview that I needed to release for this week. And I, I, I was trying to find any kind of program, and then it got to a point where I needed to ask for my brother Jack Conlu's help because he is a Mac technician or just a Mac whiz. And we spent the last couple days trying to find it, and we can only muster up the two minutes of the first the first two minutes of the interview and you know i i was pretty i was i'm still pretty frustrated with myself because i i just didn't want to make that happen uh, i really enjoyed doing the interview with dylan and i really enjoyed all of his answers and uh while i did reach out to him and see about what a good what his intake is because he is more uh, experience in this field uh, as far as you know just um, being a photographer and interviewer and doing all sorts of media related things that I want to do uh, he mentioned that you know this happens and he he's open to coming back for another interview so I'm very grateful to him um, and to you know, for everyone that's uh, been a fan of the show I just want to say thank you again and I hope this doesn't deter you from uh, listening it to future episodes and, you know, Dylan's interview was just, he was so energetic. He was so passionate about not just photography, but how photography incorporated into his life. Uh, he, you know, to answer the people's nuggets at home that I dropped in the uh, teaser post for his interview. Um, you know, he spent, uh, he the summer of 2017 uh, in Wisconsin, he did an internship with a mental health institute. And he was able to take photography and uh, take those kids and, you know, show them new angles of life and then just show them the beauty of photos. And then him in turn just, you know, gave him a spark to try different kinds of photos. You know, nature, he's very big in the fitness photos. So, you know, it, to make himself more well-rounded, uh, not just as a photographer, but just as a person that can kind of put themselves in the other person's shoes. Um, it, it was, uh, that was probably my favorite answer that I got out of him. Um, so, you know, he, again, has agreed to come back. So I'm very grateful to that. And uh, I'll look to schedule him a little bit down the road as uh, the calendar is starting to fill up. So, uh, yeah, so if you are looking to get a photo session with Dylan and, you know, I'll put a link to this website below. And uh, as far as being a vegan and you are coming to Portland and you need help finding some good food spots, uh, I'll put a link to my brother's vegan Instagram account also below. And, you know, it's uh, I'm still frustrated with myself about this because, again, I, I could always interview him again, but I didn't want to follow the same question and answer because I wanted to make it 
because it was it was so organic. You know, it was so. It, it I felt like I really got some things out of him that if I tried to do it again, then it would feel the same effect. So, I mean, there's nothing wrong with you know having the same interview twice because of technical difficulties or just you know user issue in my case. Um, but I think you know I, if if I were to do it again. I want to make sure the topics are new, and I want to make sure that what we cover is different than what we covered the first time. And I still have notes about what we covered the first time, so I should be able to avoid those. And uh, But I wanted to give everyone still an episode, and I actually got this idea from my uh, co-worker, Ben Collins, who's also a fan of the show. So, Ben, thank you so much. Uh, so, with this episode, with the whole podcast my goal was always to talk to people and find out how they got from point A to point C with B being, you know, the the journey. And, you know, I also wanted to know about their mental strength and how they persevered through some of their hard times. And um, that idea actually came from a podcast that I listened to called uh, Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. And Michael Rosenbaum, he used to act on Smallville, which uh, wrapped up a series about early 2010s, I want to say. I could be wrong. Um, and you know, Smallville is a show about the origin stories of Clark Kent Superman. And I am a giant superhero nerd. I'm just now getting into reading the comics after being a film and uh, TV show fan for majority of my life. So it's it's been a fun new avenue to hear stories related to the superheroes that I grew up idolizing, and you know, you know, you guys only have this view of myself sitting on this purple couch with a white wall and my lamppost behind me. But if you had a chance to actually take a look at my room, you can actually see that I have some posters framed, both Marvel and DC, because it's the the whole idea of superheroes was just what. It's just so fun to me because, you know, you uh, get to see these people do extraordinary things and you get to see them be uh, symbols in society and you get to see them be the, um, be the, I don't want to say saviors, but just you get to see them just do extraordinary things, you know, and you get to see how one situations and times could have changed just because they had a superhero in there. So I know it's a little, you know, far-fetched, but, eh, you know, it's it's something I enjoy. And th- this podcast as well is something I enjoy. So going back to Ben Collins, he asked me after he heard my interview with Sophie Mashofsky, you know, why don't you do an interview with yourself? And I was like, you know, that's a, that's a really good idea because I'm hearing all these stories from, you know, my past – this would have been ninth uh, episode um, from my past eight people that I've spoken with. I've heard their stories about how they went from, you know, starting to ending or not ending, just where they currently are. And you know, it's, I, I feel like people should know about how I got to where I am right now, where I'm talking to you, you guys, either on Spotify, iTunes, or YouTube. And this, you know, uh, so I graduated high school uh, in 2010 so I'm not gonna go all the way to the beginning because that just that'd be too much but 
I graduated high school in 2010, and I went from Portland, Oregon, and I knew I wanted to be a duck, uh, University of Oregon duck, because I was a fan of their football program my whole life. I remember going to Civil Wars, which now are no longer going to be called Civil Wars. So um, I went to the games that had University of Oregon versus Oregon State. There we go. And I just remember watching you know, Dennis Dixon's, Jonathan Stewart, and you know those kind of uh, old school Oregon jerseys, which nowadays, you know, they're kind of tamp- they kind of calm down on getting new jerseys every game. So, um, yeah, I just remember going there with my dad and my brother and just not really knowing what was going on, but just enjoying being there at Autzen Stadium. So from that point, I was just, I was hooked. Let's, let's rock and roll. And, uh, I knew going out of high school, my grades weren't where they needed to be to get into the university directly. So I went into the Lane Community College transfer program kind of setup, where I can just get all my generals done at the community college in Eugene and then transfer on to University of Oregon and officially be a duck. Uh, in high school, my grades weren't great because I was... I think I was just too excited about the idea of you know, just being there around people. And um, it wasn't until like, you know, first year, second year of college where things start clicking. We're like, oh, <laughs> if I read this textbook and I highlight things then oh, my gosh, look at that. I have just learned. So, you know, the first um I say it took me about four years to get to University of Oregon out of Lane Community College. Math was never my strong suit, and I always had to repeat math courses like at least twice, just twice. Um, and that was discouraging. You know, that was very frustrating. And uh, there were times where I did want to give up and just try to pursue another uh, form of education that did not require math. But that's impossible. If that math is integrated in everything, which nowadays it's you know it's great because I'm 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 not depending so much on a calculator anymore, and you know I still depend on a calculator, but just not to the degree I was prior to. So I uh, I, I I wasn't very happy with how I was handling math and. The hardest part also was just trying to figure out and knowing that my brother is a math, he excelled in math. High school, college, he he got it. He figured it out. And, you know, I would go for his help and I would, you know, say, hey, I need help with this problem. And then once he helped me with the problem, he would try to give me another problem with similar numbers and he would say, okay, try to solve this. I don't know why, but I think I, I snapped. I just wasn't happy with that because I wanted to have it figure out myself. And I also, I think I was just wanting to get it done. I didn't really think about trying to challenge myself and try to uh, continue progressing. I just wanted to get to that stage of figuring this out and then call it good for the day. Or just call it good for the term. Who knows? Um, and... You know, to this day, I think it also contributes to why I'm a little harder on accepting criticism from my family. Because I think in my intro, uh, maybe two episodes ago, uh, I did mention something about how they were my strongest and biggest critics. And 
you know, again, I'm still working on understanding that they want the best for me and I want to do the best. And sometimes I always thought of myself as my own cheerleader. And I kind of forget the fact that I have a whole family that is also part of that squad of, you know, and I'm, I'm just now learning that. And I'm 28, going to be 29 this year. So it's never too late to, you know, it's never too late to figure out where your core support group is. And um, so, yeah, challenges with math. And then usually when people go from community college to University of Oregon, I have this idea of like, oh, I'll get done in two years. Uh, I'll be at the University of Oregon. I'll be a duck. This is going to be great. And it took me four years, um, not just because of math. I think I was also, I was distracted. Uh, I was distracted with, you know, just being in a new environment. I was distracted with, you know, in school. And I was distracted with the whole idea of partying. <laughs> and, you know, colleges, they, you, if you watch any college movie, you know that they, they really play up the stereotype of partying and drinking and you know, smoking and whatever, but I was never a smoker and, you know, just cause I have asthma and I'm very exercise and health minded. So I wanted to make sure that my lungs were good for if I wanted to go for a run or if they, if I wanted to play football with my brother or some pickup game, but the, the drinking part, I, I didn't, I was never, I never went too hard on it, you know, for too long of a time. You know, I, I would, you know, drink at home, and I was, as I was starting again to my drinking phase, you know, the <laughs> I remember uh, going to a party where I didn't know that many people, but I knew one person. So I not proud of this, but I I would be drinking ye old English um, to get drunk because I was like, oh, this doesn't taste great, but it does the job. Let's okay, let's do it. <laughs> Um, so I remember, uh, I was at a party one time and I had drank some yield English, which makes me cringe saying that. And I just remember getting really drunk. And then, um, there was this one time where this guy would, he like, I remember, I don't know, I don't, I don't know him to this day, but he looked fine. He disappeared for a little bit, came back blood on the face. I was like, what? <laughs> and uh, he apparently I think he just tripped and fell, and you know that was one that was probably my most prominent early uh, drinking memories where I was just like whoa, whoa, and uh, you know uh, I didn't drink too much while I drank I drank enough you know before I hit twenty one because I was living with my brother and you know he always kept an eye on me make sure that if I was drinking that I was doing it responsibly and. Not just responsibly and just in a controlled area because, you know, I was I would go to parties, but I felt too socially awkward, which is kind of odd when I could kind of consider myself an outgoing person. I would go to parties and I you know just kind of I would be the one sitting on the couch and I would or I'd be the one posted up in the corner, just either talking to a friend or um just kind of watching um, you know I, granted now when you say you're watching it can be taken in a little bit of odd directions but anywho 
So yeah, uh, I tend to just watch situations and just see how it goes. And you know, if I if, if a friend wants to come hang out and talk, fine. Or if I just want to kind of sit sit there and just observe, I I would do that often. Um, so yeah, house parties I was so so on, and then um, I believe my brother he left in two years because he transferred from the Oregon State University, so the rivals. Uh, and he only had a couple of years left, but he knew that his degree that he was studying over in Corvallis was, wasn't the one for him. So he jumped down to University of Oregon uh, the same year that I graduated high school, and uh, we did his ceremony, and he moved, he moved back up to Portland uh, to try to get his working career started. And I went from <laughs> – so our, our, my first home in Eugene – this is kind of funny. It's uh, it was in the back uh, end of a parking lot of a Oregon Community Credit Union bank in the like dirtiest pink you can imagine, with no parking spots for like let's say people that are visiting, and um, and it was on Ferry Alley. So I was I was like that's a that's a combo right there, and uh, it was ultimately demolished after we moved out because they were going to renovate that area so you know, when we moved out we didn't have to clean up it was great and <laughs> my brother and I currently live together and he was thinking that that can happen again here because they are remodeling but I was like you know I think they're just remodeling not demolishing so I'm pretty sure we have to clean it up uh, yeah that that first home it was you know, again, back end of a parking lot, Ferry Alley, pink building, duplex, also pretty close to a homeless shelter. So we we had to deal with a lot of that. We had to deal with a lot of people wandering into our front yard, front yard, quote unquote, and <laughs> uh, it was it was frustrating. You know, it was I I, I didn't feel safe. Um, I I didn't feel I know they wouldn't do anything to damage the property they just need a place to get out of the sun for example but i just i didn't feel safe to be around someone that i don't know or around someone that i have no idea where they have been um and that kind of all ties into the whole what's going on right now with the coronavirus but uh but all in all though you know, I was that was a fun experience that was a good two years you know him and my brother and i we get along we got along very very well. There were a couple times where you know, we didn't, and I think the first time we hit the our little uh, roadblocks was uh, a summer where his girlfriend at the time was living with us, and I I have a couple issues when it comes to uh, I wouldn't say sharing my brother. It's just more of like. Uh, trying to understand how he is as you know a boyfriend to a woman versus versus a brother to me. So you know he, you know, I I don't know what conversations he has with his girlfriends. I just hear what I want. I hear when I like let's say just walk through the living room. Um, but I I know that he is able to keep a long term relationship, and that also inspires me to to try and make things work and I think that also seeped into every other aspect of me to try and make things work no matter what the difficulty is um, 
and you know the he his girlfriend at the time was living with us for a summer and we were fine for a while and then i think i just kind of got tired of being a third wheel or i was tired of him giving some attention to her when i wanted some of his attention and yeah maybe it was just me not happy with that stage of my life uh, as far as just being single and always running around like a wild child so while it seemed like you know oh you get to be single you get to talk to whoever you want to talk to and you know all the benefits of being single but at the end of the day you know i've always liked the idea of just having someone i can go you know not go home to but just someone that i can um someone i can share things with and i know that a person can share with me and you know we had a little bit of a rough patch there but you know, that was the first rough patch, and you know, we got through it. But you know, so he moved up to Portland to wrap up that that stage of my life. Uh, he moved to Portland, and then I reached out to a friend from high school that I know is at the University of Oregon, and he his girlfriend at the time was looking for a roommate. So I I messaged her and him just to make sure that it's cool and all. I was like, hey, man, so uh, I'm looking for an apartment. Is it okay if I, I live with so-and-so? And he said, oh, actually, I'm looking for an, a roommate for an apartment. I was like, oh, well, look, <laughs> you and I are living together, buddy. So uh, we moved. I moved from uh, Ferry Alley, pink building, to Chase Village near uh, Autzen Stadium. So that was a little bit of a – that was a trek. Because I didn't have a car at the time. And I know the bus system in Eugene is fairly good. It's pretty good. It's really good. Especially in that area. So I spent two years at Chase Village. And, you know, I created a lot of memories there. Uh, I was fairly able to get a car. So I was a little more mobile. And uh, it was, you know, I, I was pretty happy with that living situation. And I... Uh, I remember one day, I think uh, we were studying for finals, and there was a cat that kept coming to our front door. And at first, I was very kind of I was cautious about it because, you know, cat stray cat could have fleas, uh, could have you know rabies or something like that. And my roommate was very, you know, he was he was he was sunshiny in that sense because it was an animal that needed help, so. We brought the cat in for a bit and then just gave some food. And the next thing you know, the cat did not leave. Not like in the whole, you know, we put it back outside. She comes back. It was just we, we kind of let her stay in the house. Um, super friendly cat. It was my first experience being around a cat because I am actually allergic to fur, which I might have developed an immunity to or just improved on that part of my immune system because you know i currently live with two cats and i nothing no allergies uh i i literally rub my face against my cat when whenever i want and all good so i was like oh cool sweet uh i'm the girlfriend i was dating at the time she went to corvallis she went to oregon state and then she also lived in portland so i think maybe for a weekend or something like that i wouldn't say for winter break I took the cat in. Um, to, I took the cat up with me to Portland, and we went to a 
Banfield Hospital inside of a PetSmart. And just to get a checkup and just to see what's going on. And as a doctor was doing the checkup, you know, found out that the, the stray cat we took in was pregnant. I was like, what? <laughs> wow, this is awesome. Um, and I didn't know what to think because I didn't know what the protocol was. I was, I was uh, very surprised. I was also very just unsure. And I was... You know, I tend to, I tend to put on a face. I, I've noticed a lot of the times when it comes to interacting with others that I don't know how to respond. I just kind of say, "Oh, mm-hmm, yeah, no, that's crazy. Yeah, totally, I agree." Uh, like I would say, fifty percent of the time I use that terminologies. I, I, I'm not really sure how to respond, so I, I just kind of roll with it. And then the other fifty percent is like, I actually do agree. I actually do think that you know this 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 um so when i found out how much how many cats are going to be in the litter uh, i thought it was just gonna be three uh, i talked to my roommate and figure out what he wanted to do because uh, i think we were about to wrap up on our i think we were maybe like in the home stretch of the end of our second lease and you know we're about to go our separate ways i think he, he was graduating and i was looking at other apartments. Uh, I think this time I was looking at apartments to live by myself. Uh, and we didn't know what to do. So um, once we we're, as we we're, we kind of planned for a little bit, not not too much because we had a life going on. And uh, I believe to my best recollection that, you know, it was, I want to say it was a February or maybe sometime early in a year like I think maybe early, I want to say like 2017, 2017, maybe 2018. Um, he, no, not 2017, 2018. I want to say maybe early 20, uh, 13 or 14. He made one of those tears. It was early 2010s. Let's call it that. Uh, the cat gave birth. So we had three. It was, the cat gave birth underneath my roommate's bed. And as we were studying for finals or like just studying for tests, like midterms or finals. Um, so the cat gave birth underneath his bed and this was late at night too. So, you know, I try to go to bed at a decent hour and try to get enough sleep. And obviously, cause you know, I want to keep, make sure my brain was in full capacity. So it was kind of funny how it was underneath his bed and we were just kind of laughing about it cause he was frustrated too. He's like, Oh, I just, I wanted to go to bed and I wanted to be able to, you know, get my eight hours and get some studying done. So once the cats gave birth, I believe the protocol is that you don't touch the kittens because uh, then you imprint your scent onto the cat and then the mother will just abandon. So we had to leave the bed a little propped out for the cats to kind of make themselves more comfortable and enough for them to start exploring. Uh, I remember I was sitting in the living room. I think I was playing video games and I had his door was the one closest to the living room and then mine was a little bit down the hallway. So his door was open and then I just remember seeing, looking to my left and I just see the three cats start walking out and I'm just like, oh my God, I'm, I'm dying of cuteness right now. <laughs> Uh, they were so tiny and they're so like frail and they were so like their meows were so 
quiet and cute. I was like, what? Is this what it feels like to actually feel like cuteness for to towards a thing or towards something? Um, so we can't we divvied up or I, I think I, we surveyed people to see who would be interested in taking a cat. Uh, my brother took one, uh, his friend, one, one of my close friends, which I'm going to try to get on the show. He, he took another and then uh, a woman that I had a little bit of a thing with, but this ended up just being turning into friends. She took the third, uh, it was two boys and a girl and I've been trying to keep up with how they look over the years. And, uh, the, the woman, she moved to California, uh, while the brother is still in Portland along with. You know, the two brothers are nearby, so that was nice to keep at least them together. Uh, the mother, I'm not sure where she is now, uh, but I know that the roommate was the one who found a new home for her. So, you know, it, the uh, one that my brother took, his name is Quinn, and, you know, it's the friendliest cat. I remember. I was in college, my brother was living by himself, and I went to go visit him, and I saw Quinn. He just looked so fat and chunky. I was like, oh, my God, I just want to hold you. And then when I picked him up, he was a heavy cat. So, uh, yeah, it was I, – I have a connection to that cat, you know, because, you know, I've known that cat since birth, and it's super quiet. My brother, he's very – he doesn't let the cats have a personal bubble. Let's just say that. So he's uh, the way he treats the cats kind of gives me a sense to how he would treat my kids down the road. Because you know, it's I think it's I think it's fun how to see how excited he gets around the cats, and it's fun to see how um, you know strongly emotionally tied he is to them. And he you know he's a vegan, like I mentioned earlier. So he cares about the animals and he wants to make sure that they're okay all the time. And it's funny because while he was living with himself, he would go out and do all, he was so, he was super busy. And I remember my mom texting me and then just saying like, are the cats going to be okay if he's doing this? I was like, I don't know, but I'm sure he has a plan. Uh, so, you know, I left, going back to the original story. Uh, I left that Chase Village uh, as I wrapped up my time at Lane Community College. It was a struggle. I was very, uh, I was exhausted by it. I was just like, oh God, I'm, I'm ready to move on. I'm ready to be done with this community college. I want to go on to University of Oregon. I was getting, I was, I was eager. I was ready. I was, it was about time for me to step into that different situation um, with open eyes to, to quote, to quote Friday Night Lights, full eyes, full heart, can't lose. I think I might butcher that, but that's okay. Intent was there. And um, so I, I graduated. I got the transfer program. I got all the credits, went off to the University of Oregon. And uh, around that same summer, I found this apartment as I was, I believe I was taking the bus to Lane. And it went on this main road that went on like south of campus. I saw this house on the corner with a giant tree, and it looked, I would say, I would say I'm maybe like 80s or 90s, something like that, so it wasn't too old. It looked good. It looked like it was in good condition, and I saw a, a sign saying that there's a bedroom available, 
and so I quickly jotted down the uh, I quickly jotted down the phone number and whatever information I can get and then I called the number I think uh, in between classes um, just to find out more about the location or just more find out more about the the apartment itself so he said that it's in the basement unit and it's on like in the lower right if you're facing the building uh, I was like oh okay and you know, I told my family and I was like okay so there's there's this apartment and it's, it's close to campus uh, it's in the basement though and immediately as soon as I said that my mom was just like basement not sure about that because windows you know you could just they won't be big enough though or just won't have windows at all so you'd be in like you'll literally be in a cave so um once i took a tour of the place i was like oh wow this the windows were huge it was i think about thousand square feet or something like that and it wasn't as much more it wasn't as much wide just more like longer which was fine it worked because I, could, I was able to take the dining table that my roommate didn't want, put it in there, uh, and that's where I would eat or just hang out or something like that. Um, so, you know, I got, I, I'm oddly interior design oriented, which sounds kind of weird, but let me explain that. But um, I, I want to move things in my room. I want to change up the perspective periodically. Um, so even in the current living situation, I have move things around in this room at least three times why have i moved things around again i don't know i just want a new perspective so i saw this as like a blank canvas for me to change the perspective up whenever i want and i can change the perspective not just with the living room or not just with the bedroom but living room kitchen bathroom whatever this was all me i was like whoo cool exciting and uh, so it was a shared washer and dryer, but luckily when you go out the kitchen door, the washer and dryer was like right there. So I was like, oh, this is even better. Uh, all in all, you know, I was very happy with that living situation because A, it was me, and B, it was something that I could call my own. And it was, it was lonely at times. I'll admit that it was very quiet and I was not sure how to fill up the time or fill up the space and um, but you no know, work helped with that a lot school helped with that a lot and I was able to focus and I was able to really hone in on what was important and why I was there it was to get education and was able to be you know a better me by being you know, just being able to be with yourself. And that's something that I am still working on to this day, just to be able to love yourself and be able to be okay with yourself. Uh, I, you know, it's, it's amazingly nice to have my brother here and I'm very happy that I get to share the, the these moments with him and especially with lockdown. It's nice to have him around. Uh, but when I was living with myself, it was, it was all me. So it was more of like a survival thing at the early stages where I was like, okay, all right, I'm here by myself. I am alone and I need to figure out how to survive here. And, um, I didn't want, my mom is extremely supportive and she is always, 
you know wants to make sure she always wants to make sure that you know my brother and I are both okay both financially and health wise so school wise I was working at the Qdoba um, on campus which I believe I've mentioned in an intro previously. I can't specifically say which. Oh, it was a Joey Rook intro where um, <clears throat> it was a Joey Rook intro where I mentioned that I worked at Kidoba. So yeah, I worked at Kidoba and I kind of went from the delivery boy uh, for the late night to the uh, manager of the late night, mainly because the manager that was working the late night, her and I conflicted a lot. Uh, as far as how I thought things would, should be ran, um, because the uh, it was a late there was it was a giant dude that was the late night manager when I started, and then the way he operated was extremely fun for me uh, because he was very he was very easygoing. He was just like just just don't burn on the store, and we can do a lot of things here. I was like. Perfect. I love it. Let's do it. Um, so his cool demeanor was what made me want to, that made me have a little bit of conflict with her when she was stepping in because she was, you know, a, she, I'm not sure why. I, I want to say she was just very by the book. Okay. She was very by the book. She was very, um, she was she was hard to work with that time. She was hard headed um, because you know she was also dating another manager um, at that time. So you know she wanted to. I think it was a little bit of competitiveness to want to show that she can keep up with everyone, to show that she can even be better than some managers. Um, and you know that that going back to Dylan vibes and his ability to see other perspectives and see other angles. You know, looking back on now, you know, it's it, it, it's admirable the way she operated because, it, yeah, it did rub people the wrong way. It rubbed me the wrong way to make me want to be a manager to, you know, take that position, take that time slot from her. Um, but, and so it's it's admirable because, you know, it's it's tough. It's gritty. It's not you're going to win people over, but you're going to get the job done. And that's what's important. Just getting the job done. And so, you know, I was working as a late night manager at the Kidoba during my other two, uh, I would say two, a year and a half uh, left in Eugene. So I was very excited about that. I was like, this is cool. I get to, you know, not have much of a travel. I can, I was skateboarding at the time because my bike got stolen. And if you are in a college town, especially Eugene, bikes will get stolen. And that's a sad truth. So really invest in a good lock or lock it up where they cannot get stolen. Um, so I was skateboarding a lot and even in the rain, which uh, if you're a skateboarder, that's a horrible idea. Uh, so it was a quick ride. It was nice and easy, but then it was also dark because by the time I left, it was probably like, let's say 8 p.m. Because so I go 8 to 4 a.m. I believe it was my shift. And... You know, I, I made good money through that, but my mom, being the supportive person she is, she still wanted to help with rent for the place I was living at. And, you know, it, it, I want to 
I'm not. I, that's kind of hard. For, that was hard for me at first because a though I wanted to really push myself to be independent, um, and b it's like the whole idea of someone else, not my mother, nonetheless paying for rent. It, it was very beneficial. It was beneficial because I could have a life as far as financials finances. I can do things, you know, which is great. You know, I could go, I could go buy groceries. I could go to the movies. I could, you know, go to the bars on the weekends when I'm not working. So I was able to do a lot of stuff. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm very happy that she was able to help me out. I'm very grateful to that. Um, but it was, it was something in the back of my mind that kept telling me that I need to be able to do this by myself. If I can't do this now, I need to do it eventually. So, you know, it got to a point where, you know, I was working that for about, again, a year and a half, but that last little bit, I was just like, I'm, I'm tired. I've, I saw, I saw a lot of things during that time, a lot. So, uh, yeah, I've, uh, I've seen students, students came in. So we were open that late because a, we were on campus. I saw a lot while working at the or University of Oregon campus, you know, uh, yeah, oh, it, <laughs> oh man, um, I remember. Uh, so when it gets to working in a chaotic environment, I tend to just zone in pretty well, and just focus on what needs to be done. So if I need to go refill the napkin dispenser, that's all I'm looking at. That's all I'm looking to do. If I see some people I know and they say hi, I'm like, oh, hey. And then I just go back to do what I need to do. Uh, I remember I was in the back. I think I was starting inventory. And one of my employees came up to me. He's like, Keone, there's a fight about to start. I'm like, what? <laughs> so I immediately turned into, nope, not my house. So these two guys were kind of getting each other's faces. And then I just told them to separate, get out. And then I, the person was still more furious than the other so the one that was getting more furious i told him leave you gotta go and i stared at him i was like you gotta go because it was for the safety of my customers it was safety for my employees so it was i was like i was i was not ready i've never swung at anyone i've never punched anyone i've been punched i don't really want to but if it came to the safety of my employees i'll i'll take a punch because obviously you know, it's a customer, not a right state of mind. I'm not gonna do. I'm not gonna get in a fight. But if he hits me, then I'll, it's, you know, I'll, I'll take that because it's for the team, team effort. <laughs> so, from there, uh, I, I started dating someone um, that I worked with, and I'm, I did see a little bit of a trend within myself where I do subconsciously find like dating partners at work places i work it's really not the best practice at all it i mean it happens granted but i was like oh what <laughs> do i have a type now <laughs> so um yeah uh so i i started dating a, a girl that was working i was working with uh, she wasn't a manager but she was one of the employees and you know, I got comfortable, and you know, I at first, you know, it was, it, it didn't start as anything serious, and then it kind of turned into that, and 
you know, she ended up moving up from uh, Eugene to Portland with me. And that really put a strain on the relationship. And I think that's where I did the most growth as not really the most growth, actually. Let me rephrase that. That's where I really faced the most challenges because, A, I really wanted to make it as my make it as an individual or I guess in this case, make it as a pair and um, try not to let my mother's support um, get in the way of that as far as making it as an individual or a pair. Meaning that, you know, my brother, I remember having this argument with my brother and my mom at the same time because my brother was voicing his displeasure towards the relationship and how, you know, he was basically saying that, oh, you should live with, uh, you should live with mom while you're coming out of college so you can re, I guess, fix up your finances, rebuild it. And then once you're ready, let's say a year or so later, then you can go and, you know, get your own place or something like that. I just wanted to do that out of the get go. So <laughs> I, uh, my first job coming out of Eugene was Nike Portland. And I was like, oh, yeah, sweet. I get to work for Nike. You know, I've represented the swoosh since I was, you know, my whole life. So I was like, this would be great. I'm excited. I only get to work 40 hours because when I was at Qdoba, you know, they weren't, they didn't know what the meaning of, let's say, uh, payroll is or allotted hours. They're like, okay, if you need to work, we'll give you the full 40. Um, if you need to work more, fine. Like the uh, bigger gentleman that was the manager when I started, he was. Uh, he's also in a band, and he um, will need a little extra funds to. I think he was moving, so he talked to the general manager. He's like, "Okay, uh, I'll let you work over forty um, because you need it." So I was like, "Oh wow, that's that's really nice of him to be able to." Maybe fudge up a little bit of the payroll to, in order to help his employees out. I thought it was great. So I thought that same kind of mind, mentality or same kind of build would also be at Nike. Um, little uh, lo and behold, uh, that was not the case. So uh, yeah, I remember having this argument with my mom, my brother, where I was like, okay, I can work 40 hours at Nike. It won't be the greatest pay, but I'll be able to... Um, I'll be able to, you know, for rent, whatnot, and then I'll be splitting rent with, you know, my girlfriend at the time. So, you know, that argument was pretty heated, and there were a lot of tears because my brother missed me, and I, I missed him, and um, it it was hard, you know. I I didn't like I don't like raising my voice. I'm a I have a I, I don't really like conflict. I I like to hear about conflict and I like the I'm more excited about the resolution or I'm more excited about what comes after the conflict is over so I yeah that that conversation had a lot of tears we were very you know, crying and a lot of hugging and we we're just like oh they they want the best for me and you know there's this episode of how I met your mother where uh, everyone has this glass image built up of each other so Let's say, you know, I have this glass image of my brother who is this guy who's very sports oriented, very um, exercise oriented, loves video games, loves, he's into tech, he's into Pokemon Go. And once I hear that, oh, he was dealing with depression, you know, glass broken, 
more things start popping up as the deeper the layers. So I that's that was my mindset with this relationship that I'm talking about right now where I had this glass image built up of her. I was just like, okay, you know, she's very nice, she's very sweet, she's you know, you know it was it was a whole lot of things that I only saw the the fine layers of. I didn't look deeper down, which you know, it kind of reflects how I am now. Not as far as that. It's just like I need to dig down deeper for myself. So, you know, I didn't see it, but friends and family saw it. And they were, uh, they, you know, they told me about their, you know, they told me about their concerns. And I was, I just, I wasn't listening. You know, all I thought was this, that this sweet girl that was very fun and, um, very knowledgeable, mature for her age, was, you know, just this was my partner or my, my girlfriend. And it wasn't until, you know, some of the issues started getting to the top where I could tell that she wanted to have an argument or I could tell where she wanted to cause some drama and I would go to Christmas over there with them and, you know, even her sister and her husband you know their their lifestyle was just so much more different than mine, and made me a little. It made me uncomfortable at first. I'll, I'll be honest about that. I was a little uncomfortable because it's they're very. It was a very loud household. You know they they tend to scream at each other. You know it, whether it's as a joke or if it's serious, their their tone of voices to each other was very loud. So I was very I was uncomfortable with that because like I didn't know if they were mad at each other or what's going on. So. I, um, you know, it was, it was fine. I, I dealt with it because, you know, it was, it was the girlfriend's family. So I want to make sure that, you know, I was there to support her. I was there to be there for, you know, if maybe the, the brother wanted to talk, I'll talk, you know, I mean, I'll, he was a nice guy when you just get to know him outside of those moments when they are just talking loudly to each other. Um, and, you know, I, I was in that relationship. That was my longest relationship. And you know, going back to my brother and how he was able to make long relationships last, that was, I felt pretty good about that because I was like, okay, cool. I'm, I'm finally getting to where he is and how he was able to make all these like year, two year relationships still go strong. And I, that was the that was my mindset the whole time, and you know I uh, the, you know in hindsight that was not the healthiest mindset to go into any relationship to try and match any length of time or just try to compete or compare. Um, it's it was you know I'm I'm not gonna say I regret the relationship because that's never true. You know I committed myself. I loved someone and I did, I did my best, you know, mistakes were made on both sides. Uh, I won't go into detail on that. Um, you know, it, it mistakes were made on both sides, uh, and grew from it. We, we tried things that, you know, I never thought I would try as far as sitting down, talking resolution and trying to figure out the issue is and trying, uh, mainly because up to that point, all my relationships just went into the honeymoon phase and then just done because uh, I think I had 
I had some self-doubt about my self-worth when it came to getting deeper down. And I I can't say about my self-worth right now when it comes to that because I'm not in a relationship. But it is something that carried over into the relationship afterwards or that the, the next relationship after this one I'm talking about. And it, uh, it was... It was rough because those mistakes that were made, they were in my head, they were pretty bad. And then again, on both sides, I'm, I'm didn't like the things that I did that made me get to that place or get to that point in my life. And the things she did, you know, I'm, you know, I was open to resolution. I was open to trying to make it work, and. You know, it was getting to a point where, you know, it's just it just couldn't work anymore. And, you know, we talked for a little bit afterwards, um, but it also got to a point where at the work I was at at the time, you know, I left Nike, I, I jumped to Albertsons, and then I jumped to another job at uh, Premier Press. And I was I finally got their medical insurance, so I was like, yes, if I get hurt or sick, I have insurance, I'm covered. Yes. <laughs> and... Um, yeah, I looked into their mental health section or their mental health, uh, benefits and I, I decided I'm, I was going to, I was going to try therapy, you know, uh, that relationship was a whole lot of events and a whole lot of, you know, new situations that were presented to me and that I didn't know how to react. I didn't know how to respond. So I, you know, just did my natural instinct is, is just to be quiet and just take it all in and then process it and then probably respond later. But, you know, once the moments pass, so I, I didn't wasn't able to respond in, at the time. And so those I know those are things I want to work on going into therapy. And I, you know, I, I didn't I didn't know what to expect. Because my brother, who was, again, dealing with depression, he went to a therapist, and then I know he had a bad experience. And then, you know, at the time, I grew up in the 90s. I'm a 90s kid. And seeing a therapist was viewed as, you know, you're crazy. You're, you need to shrink. You need help. You know, it was more viewed as an insult. And to this day, I think it's still somewhat viewed as an insult, but more as a positive than a negative. So let, let's think, like, you know, if I were to say, hey, I think you need some help. I knew that I know that 90% of that is genuine concern about someone's well-being. The last 10 is probably like, ooh, you did something. I don't know why you did that, but I think you might need help to fix that. So more of a, as a result of a situation. So that's where I think that 10% comes from. And, <clears throat> and I think that... I was able to get a lot of issues resolved with therapy, and that is something that I've, I felt the most growth in. I, I was finally able to crack out of the shell. I was finally able to uh, talk about some issues and finally get things off my chest. And I had, you know, it was, uh, when I look back at it, it was definitely something I wish I could continue this day, but I did, I was leaving, I, I the, res the issue that I went into the therapy for, which was for the past relationship, I felt like it was resolved. I felt like the door was closed. And to this day, yes, I, the door is closed. But 
you know, I kind of wish that I could still see him right now um, because he helped me, you know, be able to be more communicative and I needed to be that. And he helped me work through some past issues that I didn't know were a thing until I started, I said them out loud. You know, I, I, I found out that I have an anxiety towards other people's views of me and, um, you know, I, I would tell them how, like, in the, so when you sign up, there's a description, you, you type out what the issue is. And so what I wrote was, you know, my head wants, I, I want to do things, but my head is telling me stop and it's freezing me. I didn't know what the word was for that. So as soon as he saw that he was trying to decipher, I just told him like, okay, so this is what I mean. I mean, let's say I want to go talk to this person over here, but my, my heart, my, my emotions want to go talk to this person, but my brain is telling me stop. My brain is telling me to freeze. How do you think that person is going to perceive you? when you just randomly approach to them and then when you start talking it just didn't work or it just wasn't flowing so we uh we diagnosed me as that you know just having that kind of anxiety and um you know i my mom she growing up she would say that she thinks about the worst case scenario to this day she still talks about the worst case scenario and um I think that also contributed to my anxiety and um, because now I do think about the worst case scenario and while that's not a bad thing at all to do, uh, I think that you know it does still make me freeze from doing things I want to do because I don't, I think about A, B, C, D instead of thinking of A, then thinking about B, then thinking about C. And, you know, I love her. Again, she's extremely supportive. She wants to make sure that my brother and I are safe and happy. And she even cares about the cats. You know, she calls her, she calls the cats her grandkids. So it's kind of fun. Um, so, you know, that, and then my, my dad, you know, my dad, my mom split when I was, I want to say 2008. Um, I just remember waking up one morning to them having an argument and I think it was about golf or something like that. Cause he's a big golfer. Yeah. So that argument, um, and then there was one more that I remember where I was, this is a little bit past that conversation that we, I just mentioned of, you know, uh, I don't, I think I was awake, but I think I was just kind of laying in bed, just kind of hanging out. And then. Um, my dad had moved out, I believe, and my mom was still living in the house that I grew up in. And I remember them having an argument about where I was going to stay like permanently. Like, was I going to stay there or was I going to stay there? Actually, I think it was my dad that stayed in the childhood home. My mom moved out. There you go. So, you know, it was, uh, I had a home for both. I kind of split it up to like, oh. I can live here and then I can for like a weekend or like maybe a couple days of the week and then I can go here a couple days a week. Um, I remember that argument and then I was, I was crying a lot um, just because this is something I didn't want to, I didn't 
think I was ever going to be part of. Like I saw in movies and TV shows, I, I th- you know, I didn't think this would be me in this situation. Uh, so I was crying, and then I just, I just left. I just went for a walk around the block, and I was crying still, but I was away from what was causing the issue, and it was. It, it was good because like, I was able to clear my head, but it was still very hard. I was remembering, just thinking like, why? Why is this happening? And, um, you know, it's uh, it still chokes me up a little bit to think about it. And, you know, it's it's definitely moments like that where I realized that I, I probably would never have said that out loud to anyone. And to say this on this podcast episode where it starts out with me accidentally deleting Dylan Vibes interview, you know, it's uh, it just kind of goes to show how powerful conversation can be. And um, any continue on. Um, so my mom moved to, I believe, next to the streets of Tannisbourne. That was her first home. And. Uh, I went with her because for, I guess for the majority of the time I was with her, my dad still had a home for me or still had a room for me. Uh, so I, I stuck with her for a little bit longer than with my dad because she always gave me a roof. She always gave me a, a room and she made me feel warm and comfortable. Uh, and then when that childhood home was sold and, uh, that was no longer an option for me to be at, uh, my dad he jumped around uh, to a couple places, but it was just a one-bedroom apartment. And he had a roommate usually, and he—I remember him asking me one time, you know, I think I was sleeping over there because I had to take him to the airport or something like that. And he asked me, he was like, "Why, why don't you, uh, why don't you stay with me more often?" Um, and I just, my answer was, you know, I'm just, I'm just more comfortable with mom, and I just kind of left that at that. Uh, but in reality, you know, the answer to that question is just that, you know, she she made she made sure that I had a roof over my head uh, and she made sure I was fed and she just made me feel like I was I, uh, this is the place I should be. Uh, again, no knock on him because he was living his life and this was you know, what he saw was best for him. But he was just he was. Yeah, he was just in, you know, it wasn't enough. There wasn't room for me. You know, there just wasn't room for uh, any place for me to call home when I wanted to. Or there's just no room for me because all of his stuff. He's a collector, so he tends to accumulate a lot of things and wants to hold on to it for a good chunk of time. Um, so, you know, coming to that realization that, like, my mom's going to be the more supporting factor was, you know, it, it would put a strain on the relationship with my dad. And that is something I am still trying to repair to this day where, um, you know, just try and talk to him more. And it's a little difficult because a lot of times what he wants to talk about is just like tech stuff, which was my brother's expertise. And now with the podcast, though, he's he's invested in this, which is an amazing feeling because, you know, outside of sports, I didn't know if we had any other shared interests, you know, like I didn't know if we had anything in common because again I, you know, I'm not a golfer I'm athletic I think maybe um, and 
you know, I never golfed, but I could I could do football, I could run, I could do all this. But graphic design is his thing. I never I I can, I can sort of work a computer. So it was that that put a little bit of a strain on the relationship. And then also my dad and I we tend to butt heads a lot growing up. You know, we had arguments where I can't remember any of the topics. I just remember we had arguments and we were just mad at each other and <laughs> uh yeah. Yeah, that also could be the sprout of the fear of conflict thing. Um, so my grandma, you know, it, my grandma's, you know, I love her. I had a hard time with her too when I first, because she came from the, I, think, I believe Hawaii, because she was with my uncle for a bit. I could be wrong on this backstory, but I know she was living with us in her in her first chunk of time in Oregon um, so we had the childhood home and then there was a back kind of storage unit area uh, with a sliding door and clothes and all that and that's it sound bad but we put our we put the grandma there so it was the only place that we had where she could have a spot to live in um, so I remember an argument with her where I was just kind of you know I was a kid and I was just like oh and kind of tired of her being around all the time and trying to be a grandma and trying to be supportive. And I was just like very, you know, very teenage rebellion. Yeah, let's call it that. So I don't know what my thinking pattern was, honestly. And I just remember, you know, we were, she was crying because I think my brother and I weren't treating her very nicely. And she's just like, do you want me to go back to Hawaii or Philippines? And I think I, I think that's when we started, you know, fixing that issues with her, where you know we told her like, no, we, we want you to stay, we want you to be here, because you're part of the family and you know we want you around. Um, so from there, you know, we I don't really tell her much because English is English. She's pretty, she's really good with her English, but then there are some times where it's just easier for her to hear uh, whatever the message is in it's called Tagalog. So it's easier for her to understand Tagalog versus English. So um, there, I, I, anytime I talk to her, I have to make sure that it's very clear, it's very concise, and it's very, you know, my pronunciation is be- is the best. And, you know, when I was young, that was something I did not want to do. You know, I did not want to slow myself down and make sure she understood. I just wanted to talk and then be done with it. So now, you know, I... You know, she she also loves the cats. She she it's her main pride point of enjoyment uh, when it comes to my brother and I. She just wants to laugh and giggle at the cats' pictures and whatnot. So, um, you know, my relationship with her is getting better. You know, I tell her I love her all the time, and I'm I'm doing that with a lot of my family now. And it hasn't it wasn't like that even let's say two years ago. I, I didn't really say all that much to my family, and this is something I'm working on, um, not just because of therapy, but because, you know, I I just want to be a better person by expressing my emotions, and so so the relationship with the family members is is getting better, and uh, so during my end of the little time with a therapist 
I started making another connection with a woman I worked with. So, again, I don't know if I have a type, but I, I think more towards me having relationships with the women that I've worked with is just because I think I have issues with trying to meet other people and trying to connect with people outside of work because I don't know if I'm just afraid to make that commitment of going to go see them consistently or whatnot. But, but I know these people, I see them, the people, the women that I've worked with that I dated, you know, I know that I see them for eight hours a day. I know I glance at them and I know that they're there. So it's like, I think it's just more, I hate to say convenience. <laughs> yeah, um, it, it might be like a convenience thing and then easier to connect with people when you see them for the majority of your day, every day for the week. Um, so I had a relationship with a woman I worked with and um, it, uh, it was good. It was really good. You know, I, I, you know, I, I made some good decisions. I feel like that there were decisions that I didn't think I would make as a person at that time. And I feel that they were decisions that uh, showed growth from the therapy and the relationship I had previous um, because I knew I wanted to be more open um, and I knew I wanted to be more communicative. I think I'm always going to try to slowly say that word from this point on. Um, yeah, it was, it was different. You know, it, I felt different. I felt really good in that relationship and I thought I was doing everything right. Uh, but then when it came to having an argument or a disagreement, I would then revert back to my, you know, be quiet and just absorb and then respond later kind of mentality. And that wasn't right. You know, it's they, they, if you're in an argument with anyone, you know, you need to be there and present in the moment because whether it is, you know, you taking that method of saying, hey, you are very emotional right now. I, I want to talk to you when you can think straight or just be calm and respond to me in a calm manner. That is perfectly fine. I've heard that method be used. Uh, but when it came to me, I had a feeling that they want a response now and I wanted to give them a response now. So I didn't, I never knew what to say though. So that was my issue. So uh, we had a few issues. And then um, I remember it was a Thursday where yeah, I got the text from her saying that like, hey, we should talk. And I was like, oh, I, I jokingly say, you know, are, are you breaking up with me? Um, that time she, she really was. So the issues that I saw, um, I, I believe that they could have been fixed. And again, going back to the always trying to make it work mentality, that was what the mentality was then. Just trying to make it work because I knew I felt really good when I was with her. And I knew I wanted to make sure that she felt happy, but I, I, I failed in that point. And I will, it was, it was back to rock bottom. The one thing that she said that made the most impact to me was, <clears throat> was that 
you know, I, I didn't do things for myself. I didn't make a legacy for myself. I didn't do things that would last longer than me, basically. Uh, she wanted to make sure that I was set up in a good spot uh, outside of the relationship, that I would be able to have hobbies that can, you know, that can go back to my degree. She wanted to make sure that I was able to, you know, she was looking out more for me than for me. She was looking out more for me than I was looking out for myself. You know, it was uh, it was a message I didn't want to hear because in the moment, all I could think about was just trying to make it work with this woman. And I, you know, it, it was it was hard. You know, I I didn't tell anyone for about two weeks because, I, again, she left it as though there's a chance for us to work it out again. There's a chance. But at the end of the day, you know, two weeks went by i text her probably like once a week just to give her space but let her know like hey i'm still thinking about you but this it all revolves back to what dylan said with photography how it gives you a new perspective it puts it gives you different angles you know after i sent that you know i was talking to another friend and he said that are you sending that for you or are you sending that to get closure for you or are you sending that because you she you she needed to hear it honestly i think i was doing it a little bit for me and a little bit so i you know so that she could hear it you know it, it was hard because i really wanted it to work and i put a lot of effort into it and you know i'm still repairing myself to this day but the message that she was trying to send was you need to do things for yourself you need to be around your friends because they are the ones that can support you and if you are in a relationship and she's not available because she's working or something like that. And then you just need to be able to spend time with your brother, just spend time with family. So she helped me really. It was the fire that kind of got all of this going. And, you know, I remember in that argument just telling her, like, I don't want this to act as like a motivational speech from her to me, but I think emotional wise, she was, she didn't understand my meaning. You know, cause you know, I graduated college and this whole time, this whole story I've just told you guys, I thought about journalism. I thought about getting back into storytelling. I thought about being able to do all this again. I tried a couple times, but I couldn't find the right angle. I couldn't find the right uh, direction I wanted to go. You know, I love sports. Love it to death. But there are so many sports shows, just like there's probably so many podcasts about mental health, about mental strength, about uh, you know perseverance. There's probably a million. And for people that are watching or listening, thank you. Because... You know, it's for me to be able to talk with my friends or talk to people I admire in this industry of journalism and communications and hear about how they got here. It's been probably the best experience I've had my whole life because I've learned to be open with myself and accept people uh, and be able to respond and be able to have a conversation, be able to flow because I'm doing this and because... The last relationship I was in forced me 
to find new ways to do things for myself. You know, I, uh, I, I, the world right now is going through the COVID-19 pandemic. The world right now is dealing with Black Lives Matter because of what happened in Minneapolis with George Floyd and every single situation that happened afterwards. I took the coronavirus pandemic shutdown and I am so happy to have said that I was able to change my life during this time by having this podcast, by creating content, by talking to people because I was in lockdown, because I was able to really sit down and think with myself and be myself with myself, that I was able to push myself to be able to talk in front of a camera. If I were to do this right after college, I'd be stiff as hell. Not not like that, but as far as just not be able to be fluid, not be able to adjust to any conversation topics that are brought up, and just not be able to, you know, push the inter- interview in the direction I want to go, but have the pathway to that ending be as windy as possible. So, you know, this, to wrap this up, I did not, I don't know where I'd be today if I hadn't had these experiences in my life. The college, living with my brother, you know, first time, <laughs> and, and then living, you know, in the house, going through the Kidoba, dealing with uh, two relationships, and then dealing with this. I wouldn't be where I am right now if I didn't experience those moments. So again, to wrap this up, those really crappy situations that you are going through in life right now, whether it is Corona, whether it is, you know, trying to make sense of what's going on with the Black Lives Matters movement, not saying, you know, it's confusing, but saying that, you know, the situation that brought to brought us to those protests, the murders, and the police brutality and all that. Just try and make sense of all that. And then making sense of what else, whatever else is going on in the world. Those such crappy, crappy situations, they will push everyone involved or everyone that has a say to be the better you. By that I mean you will be the best you coming out of this crappy situation because you will grow. You will become the best you out of this crappy situations because you know how you want to act if you are in that situation. You will know what you want to do when it comes to handling adversity because you went through those crappy situations. If I were to go through, now I know what I want in a relationship. Now I know how to be me, the best version, not the best, a good version, a better version, a growing version of me. So thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. By here, I mean either listening, watching, or you know, just, just being you, keeping up on social media. Uh, I know that there's a lot of stigma against social media, but... You know, it's it's your own personal billboard. 
and while that can be twisted in odd ways, it's it's a way for you to display yourself to people all around the world. So thank you for everything that has happened to me in this lifetime. Thank you to my family for being a support factor that I didn't know I needed. And thank you to the fans of the show and the fans of Casey Media, which is how oh, Casey Media, okay, quick smile. Casey Media, think of it like the top of the pyramid. And I'm trying to have the Keanu Chats podcast be like one side of the pyramid. <laughs> My photography, another side of the pyramid. And then the videography, another side. And then the other side. So, I will always show gratefulness. I will always show appreciation from this point forward. Because I I want to. I want to. There's no reasons. It's either you do or you don't. Do you want to be a good person? Or do you feel you need to be? If you feel you need to be, then you need to just figure out why you're in that situation that makes you need to be a better person. Like, I need to be a better person because I screwed up in this relationship. People will say otherwise, but I know for me, I I was not the best partner. So I want to be better. I need to be better. I'm getting to be better, and I want to be better. But if, let's say, my brother wants to be better at... um. You know, maybe he wants to be better at running. So he should want to be better for him. And I want to be better for myself. So thank you again for listening. And again, I apologize for Dylan Vibes interview. I uh, yeah, I have him. I will reschedule with him. He will be back. He will have new topics to talk about. Do you have any follow-up questions for the guest? Put them in the comments below and I will work to get them answered for you. For more content from KC Media, please follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And for more interviews from Keone Chats, please follow us on Spotify, iTunes, and YouTube.